0: Hi everyone, it's Anya, your host of STAINED. In today's episode, we have someone that has a broad spectrum of knowledge in fashion. She's a stylist, she's a teacher, she has her own brand that is incredible and I can't wait for you to meet her. And yeah, please enjoy our chat with Sinead Kelly. Hi Sinead, welcome to Stained. How are you feeling today?
1: Good morning, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Thank you so much for being my guest today and it's early Sunday morning so it's a very nice to film this episode with the sun out to be Absolutely. honest. I feel very motivated. Of course, me too. <laughs> tell, me, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, tell us some, some things that you do.
1: So my name is Sinead Kelly and I work in fashion. Um, I say that as a very broad term because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different avenues of fashion that I work in. I am primarily a stylist, um, which encompasses many different projects and types of work. And then I also lecture as a third level um, lecturer in fashion. So I lecture in fashion business management and fashion buying and merchandising. So that's... A different area I suppose that a lot of people wouldn't really Mm -hmm. associate with fashion so much but a really really strong route as well and then my passionate area I would say is my business that I own my very small business called Lover Sunday Vintage and that is a vintage focused um, brand of curated fashion and accessories so I suppose that's a very brief insight into what I do but it's a lot, deeper. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: course, and we will now. But uh, I would love to start from because you're a very busy person. Yes. And I would like to start from how it is to balance all of these things. Like, how does it feel to in like everything is related to fashion, obviously. Yes. But how it is to do everything and to balance it out.
1: I love that you say the word balance because mm-hmm. for me, 2023 was a year that I put down a goal of striking balance. At some points in the past, I felt like a busy fool that I was doing all the jobs and I didn't know if the reward was really paying off. So it's been, you know, it's been a challenge this year, but I'm very much on that road to balancing better. Yeah, Um, I think it's like a
0: learning process. Like we constantly learn and the more things come at us, but we kind of keep learning and learning and learning. (laughs) And
1: dare I say, it sounds Maybe a bit corny, but I do love to work. I love the work that I do, yeah. but I also need to take time for myself in between that and work smarter, not harder. And mm-hmm. I suppose as you grow up through certain industries, you realise where you know you're valued, you know, better in certain areas where you can yeah. put more time and energy, and where you get the rewards back in that. So mm-hmm. for me, that word balance is really, really important. Um, at present, I work in a retail environment. Up to four days a week yeah so that is within the role of styling and personal styling as well so it's an avenue of styling i suppose that encompasses photo shoots campaigns fashion shows events and then personal shopping or personal styling is very much one-on-one with people so yeah. you're consulting like everyday people for their everyday mm-hmm. wardrobes which is a really really beautiful experience yeah within that there is a sustainability aspect i would say because it's an area that people want to spend their money smartly and that they're really getting kind of focused time that they're not shopping for one thing and they bring it home and they have nothing to wear with it that they're coming in and they're saying i need help i would like to build a capsule wardrobe and they might shop you know once a year knowing that that capsule wardrobe is going to give them versatility longevity and the quality that comes with that is something that they will stand by so it's a really rewarding process and I, again it's a different side to styling that when you hear that that phrase i'm a stylist you don't always associate it with regular people
0: no and you know like i actually recently wrote an article on the topic of the capsule wardrobe yes and how important it is to Actually, how hard it is to find pre-loved pieces or second-hand pieces yes. that can fit for you personally and yeah. to love them forever, really. Like, yeah. it's a really hard task to do by yourself, to be honest. It is,
1: yeah. and I always say with any of my clients, I say, Rome wasn't built in a day. So we'll yeah. start, <laughs> start today with something. Yes, And if you go home with six pieces, that gives you you know, a, a variety of outfits mm-hmm. that you can mix and match. But also that you can inject into your current wardrobe, it now gives a new lease of life to anything that you you know you already own. So exactly. that in its own right is sustainable. You're not emptying out the wardrobe and replacing everything from scratch. You can actually you know move incorporate into that everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then over time, when you see what is working for you and maybe where gaps arise, you might say, "Oh, I really need a good blazer." So put the blazer on the top of your shopping list for the next day. And then we know that you can build that out over time we're looking at those key pieces for you and your lifestyle because one thing i would say is a capsule wardrobe is different for everybody
0: yeah i agree and you know it needs to match your own style everybody's different like you know uh, even looking at me and you right now we have completely different styles but it works for both of us and it's kind of is it hard actually when you have a client Is it hard to figure
1: it out or? So I work on a basis of, not always, but it's a really good guiding, um, I would say light. There's a kind of a concept called style personalities. Okay. And again, a quick Google search will, you know, give you an insight into it. But there's six style personalities that you can identify with somebody might be creative somebody Mm -hmm. else might be natural someone might be romantic someone else is classic so yeah i love that you very much can do a a very quick assessment when Mm -hmm. you see what someone presents themselves as or if they say i love to wear natural fabrics i love to buy vintage i really like to invest in cottons and silks and linens i immediately think they're a natural style personality Mm -hmm. so there's certain brands or certain products that i will put forward for them somebody else might come in and say, I'm on a really tight budget, but I really want to maximize the capabilities of my wardrobe. So I'm not going to be able to go for more expensive natural fabrics. I'll have to work within the budget. Yeah. But nonetheless, the wardrobe is working for them.
0: I had no idea about that. And I'm so glad you shared that
1: <laughs> because it's so interesting. I love to
0: find out more about fashion because I just got into vintage and secondhand when I moved to Ireland, yes. you know, because yes. Ireland is so big on topic of that, you yes. know, other countries, not maybe like Germany and like Belgium that I visited that were like on the kind of similar level, yeah. but uh, like I used to live in Malta and Serbia. So those two countries are not really open to vintage and secondhand. Yes. So it's so interesting to learn more about it. Like Of course. Yeah. Of course, um, Tell me, you obviously know a lot and I think you said to me 11 years you were in fashion, you work now in yeah, fashion industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: almost afraid to count back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, actually, it's amazing how much experience you have. Have you always known that this is a path for you or that you're going to work in the fashion industry?
1: So I remember enrolling in uh, DCU for my bachelor's degree. Yeah. And at the time, I was very much an athlete. I was on sports scholarship no way and in my head i was thinking i need to be a sports scientist or a physiotherapist or something that yeah. you know was in that arena yeah but i always always loved fashion and i had this like itch to really get into that industry mm-hmm. but i knew i wasn't going to be a designer
0: yeah fair enough so, and yeah, at yeah.
1: that point in time in ireland the fashion route was very much geared towards you go to a f- an art college art and used to fashion design. Yes. And that wasn't me. But I knew I was very creative in other ways. So I decided to do a degree in journalism and Irish. So it was journalism with the Irish language.
0: Wow. And
1: <laughs> it was for me a choice that would give me kind of broader options that I could get into magazines. I didn't want to yeah. be a crime journalist or a reporter at war or anything like that. But I knew, oh, if I want to work for, you know, a certain magazine one day, yeah. I now have a qualification to do that and it was interesting because within that university there's a really special space for clubs and societies and mm-hmm. one particular society was the fashion society okay. that we were able to do our own fashion magazine which in my final year I was the editor of the magazine nice, we did a fashion Megan. show and you know you were part of the production team for that and so on so learning yeah you had a lot of learning and again we probably did things way ahead of our time at mm-hmm. that time, yes, and I remember finding vintage stores that were only starting. They were really small businesses, and we used them in our fashion show in the Helix to, you know, fifteen hundred people in an audience. So it was a crazy platform back in, I'm going to say, 2010, 2011, to be able yeah. to do that, and look where we are so many years later. Um, so I suppose when. I had that experience under my belt. I decided I want to be in styling and that was kind of an opportunity that exposed itself through different arenas. So I assisted a lot of stylists. Mm -hmm. I then did a part-time course in the evenings in fashion styling. So it was again a new, it was the first time anyone ever did it. We were I think eight people on the course and we were the first group to ever do that in the country that we knew of. And again, it just gave you that insight into being able to pursue a career in that area. But I knew that in order to be a stylist, you had to be more than just showing up on a photo shoot.
0: Yeah. You had to diversify.
1: and. It's a very versatile job as well. It I is. think
0: you can do a lot of things. Yes. You are capable of doing a lot of yes. things. Yeah. But you're focusing in a way on one. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like a broad spectrum, I want to say, Absolutely. of your knowledge actually, Absolutely. of what you do. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think within when you hear the word, oh, I'm a stylist, you automatically picture photo shoots. In, yes. You know. Yeah the middle of a desert somewhere or on top of a mountain <laughs> and that Vogue is paying hundreds of thousands for you to be there and you know those opportunities come around not every single day of the week of course. so you have to be able to diversify as a stylist mm. and know what you can do so that might be writing articles that might be presenting fashion shows it could be producing fashion shows you could be assisting a stylist you could be on a production team for a film you could be backstage at a theatre You know what I mean? And doing costumes that way. So there's so many different areas that you can fall into. And I would say I've probably done all of them and more. Exactly, yeah. But it's great because it's such a good training ground. And you're working hands-on with product. You get to understand production, camera angles, lighting, sound, techniques, posing, everything. Everything, yeah. So it really opens your eyes up to it. And then I suppose... Coming back to the business side, which was always my other um area that I found I excelled in quite naturally. Nice. Yeah. Was I always had a very commercial outlook on things. So I wouldn't put a model in a dress from a store unless mm-hmm. there was X amount in the stockroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To support it in sales. Yes. And to this day, that is very much one thing I put forth in my styling work is making sure that if this is for a brand or for a company. I'm not going to pick the dress that there's only one of. Of course. you're going Because to pick. what am I selling for that brand? I haven't fulfilled my duty yes. as a stylist. Um, so the commercial side is something that I've always leaned into. Mm-hmm. And again, if you work in fashion, your training ground is retail. Yes, of course. In this exactly. country, definitely. Um, and within retail, I worked retail part-time as a student. Mm-hmm. And then I got into, at the time, my dream job. I was 21, and I got this offer to come on board a very small book-growing Irish business that was a vintage company. Wow, nice! So my first for
0: 21-year-old—that's yeah a a dream
1: coming true. It was a dream, and it was probably the best training ground I've ever had. Mm -hmm. There was the owner and founder of the company. There was another girl who looked after accounts primarily, and then myself who came in as kind of marketing and press. Yes, yeah. However. That was a fancy title to say that we did everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Everybody was a director and manager. We, we
1: opened the doors to the store in the morning. We cleaned. the cleaned, we hoovered, we dusted. We did the visual merchandising. Yeah. We did the orders. We did the steaming. We looked after the customers that came through the door. We very much as a business pioneered the, the digital space. Yeah. At the time, you could sell on Facebook with no limitations. And that was the best way to leverage our business. Yes. Because we were based in the country. Mm-hmm. We were in a more we were in a city but outside of Dublin. Outside of Dublin, yeah. And on a wet November morning when nobody's coming through the doors yeah. you had to turn to the digital space. And we used to put up albums on of vintage clothing on Facebook. And the amount of people that would wait for that, you know, announcement that there was yeah. a new drop and that would keep us going. So then that Turned into photo shoots. It turned into a website, Much a and thing, yeah. it all grew. And interestingly, it turned into events called A Keto, uh, yeah, Keto kilo, yeah. kilo Market. Yeah, and it's very full circle for me this morning because the the very first time we brought the kilo event to Dublin was in this location. It was no actually way. probably just a few floors below us here. Wow, and. We were a vintage business that was very innovative. We were mm-hmm. pioneering a new way of vintage. It wasn't that vintage was old and smelly and, you know, and yes, yes, yes. in somebody's attic. It Different was, approach to it. It was yeah. very cool. It was very grungy. It was bohemian. It was very stylized. Yes. And the taste of the owner alone was just second to none. So we really, like, we were in awe of her. We all just wanted to be her. And we worked our asses off. Exactly, yeah and then some she would say can you stay and do the windows at nine o'clock on a Friday night no problem yeah I'll stay I'll yeah stay, I'll stay will you run up to the stock room which was like five flights of stairs in an old Georgian building no problem we were up yeah. and down and up and down we it was really physical it was really enjoyable it was creative it was everything so we learned yeah. every type of skill not just what our title mm-hmm. you know showed um so to this day I would say that was probably the be best training ground because you did it all
0: yeah and it's a definition of i'm loving my job yes because on a friday night you do not want to wash the no. window unless you really love the place where you are yes. and the people that you're with i absolutely. guess absolutely yeah. and
1: like we all were such good friends we were all so that's close it, yeah and my very best friend i met her through work there so yeah. like that's so many years later she lives in a different country but we're still so close um that's lovely yeah. so it's it's a really cool way to i think bring it back to where it has led me no. Mm-hmm. yeah um and it was again it tickled that styling side because you could style campaigns and photo shoots and e-commerce products and so on so you yes. had very much a rounded experience of it um after i i was there for about four to five years yeah and a while actually yeah, yeah a while and i decided then i wanted to return to university to do a master's nice and i decided to do marketing to Mm -hmm. kind of balance out again that business business side with the creativity yeah yeah, because the creative had no bounds and that was being you know practiced every day Um, whereas the the business and the marketing it kind of again was the creative side to business Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that and after a year and a half just over a year it was yeah three semesters very full on um would recommend and also wouldn't recommend it was so exhausting <laughs> yeah
0: I can't imagine going back to studying like it's a hard hard decision I think at the same time and it's commitment yes. that you really need to like once you enroll it's like okay I really need to commit to this yes and For the next, I don't know how many years, you know, and I'm doing this and nothing else. Nothing
1: else because it it wasn't.
0: But in reality, you have other things to do. Oh,
1: absolutely. (laughs) And you still had to find somewhere to to work a day to, you know, pay your rent and whatnot in the middle of it all. Yeah. So I graduated with a marketing master's um, after a year. And at the time, I didn't really know where I wanted to go next. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to stay in fashion, but did I want to be a fashion marketer? I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. I tried to put out all of the, the fields in you know all of the different industries yeah. just even to get some experience in that area more officially. And I remember sending out probably 20, 30 40 emails with no response whatsoever. Of course. Yeah. And on LinkedIn at that time there was a job came up for a department store in Dublin. They were looking for someone to become a full-time personal shopper. Nice. And I read the description I said, I can do that. But do I want to do that right now? Like, I I am qualified. I can tick, tick, tick everything that they required. Do I want to? Do I want to? And it kept coming about after weeks of searching. So I applied because I was getting a little bit desperate. (laughs) I need this. (laughs) Yeah. And within, I'd say, 10 days, I had done two interviews and I was hired.
0: Wow, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: that was full time for four years. So that full time for four years was again they very much dive into personal shopping mm-hmm. and it was a new area for styling that
0: yeah it's um can you describe a bit the job actually because i don't know what they do like what, what so did you do in the it's as a an personal appointment
1: it, usually you would make an appointment as a client and you would maybe express i'm shopping for workwear uh-huh yeah. i work hybrid that I'm you know partly at home partly in the office yeah I maybe haven't bought clothes in since before COVID yeah and now my office clothes are looking tired or the dress code may have changed here's my budget here's my size that's my colouring help me out Ah,
0: nice. Basically. Yeah, it's a, you're styling somebody's yeah, wardrobe completely.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a lot of people need guidance, especially after the few years that we've had, you know, with Stuck everything. at home. Yeah. In this sweats. Was, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of people will very honestly
0: say, I lost my way. I need help. I agree with that. And I can relate to that as well, because it was quite a, I don't want to say depressing time, because mm. we kind of needed it as well to yes, slow down. Absolutely. But at the same time, a lot of people were kind of like, Okay, especially me, like I'm constantly busy and I yes. like that busyness. Yeah. I really thrive in uh, under pressure and in this in this type of environment. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? It's like, you know, yeah. and after COVID's like kind of finished, I was lucky enough because I got the job and then I needed to go to the office, even regardless yeah. of COVID, like I needed to be in the office. Yeah. So they were driving me there and back, okay. you know? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, but I can go to a store to buy something new. I need to wear my old clothes. And then you end up in a online somewhere in some corner looking for something that you don't know what you're looking for. Exactly. So yeah, I definitely understand people that were reaching out (laughs) for help. Yeah.
1: So we would always think as well that if people are poor on time again everyone is busy exactly and the last thing you want to do on your day off at the weekend is to go shopping for work clothes or shopping for something like that so the appointment would very much focus your shopping Mm -hmm. and the great thing is you get to try on all of these styles that you probably wouldn't pick up for yourself exactly So you get pushed out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because over the years I have built up you know different clients and just yesterday I was at a client who I've shopped with since 2015 and i shop with her and her daughter yeah and her daughter i've seen grow up you know and it's so fulfilling to see that even i visited her home to edit her wardrobe and help her maximize her styling capabilities exactly so she said to me yesterday sinead i don't need any new clothes we have such good quality pieces in the wardrobe i need some accessories because i lack in that area but i love when you come to my wardrobe And you restyle things that I have. Yeah. So she says, I feel like I'm shopping my wardrobe. Exactly. And that for me is an avenue of sustainability that's different from just buying, you know, pre-loved or vintage. And it's to be able to get that longevity out of your clothes.
0: You pointed out some really good things right now, because I think even though we are buying vintage, we can end up in that uh, loop of still buying 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 because it's addictive and shopping can be really addictive
1: it's a dopamine hit it's a dopamine hit
0: yeah and if you're not if you're not really careful with that Mm -hmm. you can end up like in kilo uh, events and stuff like that where you're just buying anything because it's cheap yes and you don't know then you end up home and looking at those pieces and like well i don't know how to wear this now yes
1: exactly yeah so i find it's again shopping smarter shopping
0: smarter yeah you know and
1: taking that pause to say I don't need something new Mm -hmm. because there was like a culture in in this country at one point, especially after the Celtic Tiger and everything, Mm -hmm. you would wear something once and you could never wear it again. So you had to constantly buy a new outfit for every occasion that you had coming up. So it was so disposable. Yes. And unfortunately, if you grew up through that era, that mindset is very hard to shift. Exactly. So I think even if you're able to shift it to vintage and pre-loved, it's one step in the right direction. It's like real learning all over again how to live. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like,
0: okay, I need to start from the beginning, from zero. And And
1: dare I say, because I've had this conversation about sustainability with a lot of fashion industry professionals, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately there is no 100% way for our our industry to be sustainable. All we can do is make better choices, you know, and that will diminish any, you know, cause and effects and so on. But there is no, there's no feasible way The world, you know, unfortunately works how it works. And, you know, we can only try
0: our best. Whenever I talk with my friends and stuff, I always say, obviously, it's not on us to change the system. And it's impossible for us to change the system. There are people that own, (laughs) a person that owns Zara and stuff like that. Uh, You have Jeff Bezos. You have a lot of rich, rich people that... It's on them <laughs> in yes. a way yeah uh, but what we can do is choose where our money goes absolutely and i think that's a big point for a lot of people because they're like okay maybe i don't care about planet and i'm saying this because i know people that of will course. be like okay i'm too busy and i have my own problems to add planet on my yeah it's not their priority yeah. because i always say it's kind of a privilege to yes. have this mindset you know Yeah. but at least it can be like okay, I choose to not give money to Zara. I choose to give my money somewhere else. Exactly. And yeah. to be smart about it. Of course. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I I love uh, the the things that you're saying because I really agree with them. Like especially yeah. in terms of sustainability, very 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 nice. Um, you mentioned that you teach as yes. well. Uh, how that how that started? Where that uh, did you all did you wanted to teach or did you just pop up out of nowhere so I
1: remember when I was working in my you know that first uh, department store personal shopping Mm -hmm. I did a few guest lectures Mm -hmm. on an evening course and it was kind of like you know you just pop in and do I did a little bit in the area of styling and whatnot and it was great fun and it was really nice to be able to share experience and give back again because qualifications in this country for fashion were in university level were geared towards uh, fashion design still so anybody who wanted to do outside of that whether it was fashion business or you know fashion styling and a little bit more around the creative side had to do that maybe in the evening outside of their other studies so when i i expressed an interest to a private college in dublin and i knew that they had a really strong fashion uh, buying and merchandising course it was a level Five course so it mm-hmm. was QQI level 5 so you did get a certificate but it wasn't a university level yeah, certificate yeah, yeah. but it was a nice stepping stone and I just I don't know sends a very much a cold calling email being like this is who I am this is what I do yeah I don't know if there's an opportunity to come in and lecture within styling let me know and I got an email back from the coordinator of the fashion department to say come on in for a chat and the Sound chat it. turned into, when can you start? And at the time we put on an additional styling module onto the fashion buying and merchandising course. Yeah. So it was something that was a little bit unofficial mm-hmm. because it wasn't on the curriculum per se, yeah. but it was definitely a module that the students really- um, Enjoyed,
0: I presume. They enjoyed,
1: but they found it so valuable. Yeah. Because I, again, coming from such a strong retail background, and within a department store you'd have very much a good relationship with the buying team mm-hmm. so as a personal stylist you have the most intimate environment with your customer yes to see what they like what they don't like what fits what doesn't what's popular what's not yeah. and you can see the commerciality start to you know come forward so I would always say to my students if you understand styling and cuts and colors and body shapes you'll be in the best position as a buyer to go forth because your counterparts from other places may not have the same knowledge. Yeah. And a lot of these students, again, without their fancy degrees, walked into jobs in the likes of Primark in their head office and got straight into buying roles. Yeah, they've yeah. gone to Dunn's and they've gone in and they've become assistant buyers in the likes of Brent Thomas or Arnott. So it's a great testament, I would say, to... Yeah at that time the course being a level five how quickly the students excelled thereafter year on year there's like a 90 percent success rate in employment which is quite phenomenal yeah yeah i I would say for a small college
0: especially to do something that you're studying for because i know a lot of people that are studying something and then they go into completely different just because they need to
1: yes and the fashion industry is not the easiest place to get a job because there's no mapped out route no you no, have no. to find it for yourself find your way yeah.
0: within yeah because when i used to work in retail it was extremely extremely hard actually because you need to start from the bottom yeah. line and then find your way up in yes. the company yeah. and uh yeah it's uh i i know exactly what you're talking yeah. about and you said something as well that um th- like i worked with this lady that was having the same background as you okay. and she was a sales assistant at the time yeah but we were chatting and she was saying the exact same things as you. And I'm like, it's bringing back memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I miss retail. I, I love working in retail, actually. I love the relationship that you yes. have with people. And
1: and at the end of the day, the fashion industry only survives because of sales in yes. stores. Yes. It's why we have runway shows. It's why we have collections. It's why designers do what they do. It's yeah. to sell their ideas to the general public. Mm-hmm. And if you're that sales associate... And you can, you know, people will have their judgment on where you work in retail, but the best education you can get is get into that fitting room and interact yep. with the customer. Exactly. See how things yeah. fit, propose what does, new ideas.
0: What do you think about online world right now? Because there is a lot of websites that are selling the clothes, and what do you think about that?
1: It's, again, I ask this to my clients on a daily basis, because mm-hmm. I find very much a 50-50 divide. Mm -hmm. some people love online shopping and are very successful with it some people hate it because they might say "Oh, they don't do my size they don't cater to my body shape and they end up buying things it's a harder process to return you know items that maybe don't work out and so on so then it contributes to more of your waste and you know that's a whole other conversation but I think nothing beats that personal touch Mm -hmm. A you want your customer to feel special and then b you want to feel like if they're spending their money that they're getting value out exactly. of the product that they're buying absolutely yeah. and that's the one element with online that is missing that personal touch doesn't exist yeah it can't exist
0: yeah i'm asking this because uh, whenever i have a person that owns their own brand or yeah. works in retail and stuff like that do they prefer like selling their own brand online because yeah. it gives you that kind of I would say privilege of remote work you can do it from home or from your studio or whatever it is for you or do you prefer actually going to I don't know flea markets or doing a pop-up shops or having your actual physical shop depending what whatever it is for you you know but people always the answer is oh no I love markets I love I love uh, talking with people because then we talk about god knows what else you know it's of course so much more interesting I think
1: I think it's more enjoyable and exactly. people again crave that human interaction and that little bit of escapism of course yeah so I think that's really really important
0: yeah I always say that for me like whenever I'm going to a flea market it's a holiday event yeah. you know yeah. it's like I'm going out with my coffee and I'm
1: just kind of like entering Narnia you just don't know yeah. what you're gonna get so there's a there's a an excitement in that
0: absolutely yeah it's <laughs> like oh what what's going to be today yeah, exactly. a jewelry or a t-shirt <laughs> or a dress like you never know
1: absolutely yeah
0: I agree so we talked a bit about all of your kind of backgrounds that you yeah. had and I had no idea that you have so much experience, like you said, <laughs> 11 years, but you know, it can be just one job, but it's so versatile and yes, you did uh, bit, bits and bobs of, of everything. Yeah. So you started Lover Sunday Vintage. Yes. When did you start it?
1: So Lover Sunday Vintage was a lockdown emerging business. Mm-hmm. Um... 20 November 2021 mm-hmm maybe a correction that I think so um, I had the idea of burning for a long time and I suppose when I was in full-time personal shopping I was part-time teaching at third level and then I also had a, another business which was wow. very much at home on the kitchen table with a business partner and that was actually a vintage based brand as well we were a concept and reworked vintage brand very much a part-time endeavor we used to stay up till one and two in the morning you know designing things he was the designer in that he would sit with the sewing machine i wasn't the sewer and we would be doing you know plans for this event that event how we're gonna sell and you know we had so much fun with it yes but it just didn't have the space to really blossom it did it was very successful in its own right but i Mm -hmm. think within COVID times it gave us a chance to kind of pause and we put a pause on the business at that time because we wanted to see where we could take it next. Yeah. That it was gonna grow and have its own kind of stance and you know, really do itself justice. But we also wanted to do that sustainably and we didn't know what the answer was at that time. So it's very much a paused business. It still has its own Instagram page, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, what would you say, there's still a lot of work there. And we're still both passionate about it, but we've said it just needs a little rest.
0: But you know, sometimes that's very responsible to yes. know when to stop and to kind of like reflect on it and yes. come back to it when it's the right time yes, for it. Yes,
1: absolutely. So
0: yeah, it's not the idea that it's going to be forever on hold. Like no, this. Yeah. it's
1: there. So again, if you go back to when I first started, I was in vintage. So vintage is always something that I was passionate about in the background. And I always wanted to do my own thing and never really had that space to do so. Mm-hmm. And what perfect opportunity than lockdown. Yes. You could source online, you could buy online, you could arrange one-on-one uh, handpicking calls and do all of that. You had the time and you also didn't have the pressure because nobody knew that it existed yet. Yes. You really had that time to reflect and plan and research yeah. and get the foundation set and I suppose it's one thing I would say to anyone doing a business, don't rush this part of the journey. It's kind of like the stage zero yes, because nobody knows you exist at this point. So there's no pressure for you to perform.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, yes, yes, um, yes. it's
1: as soon as you publicize it or put it on social media or make your first sale, it exists then it starts to snowball <laughs> and you say oh my goodness can I keep up am I ready to keep up keep with up, that yeah. um so I think that was the one thing I really value is that Lover's Sunday Vintage I wanted it to be curated mm-hmm. I wanted it to be very stylized I wanted it to be very adjacent to trends because I knew if say the oversized blazer was a trend on the runway and that every influencer was you know seen in this style of jacket we knew it was going to hit the high street we knew it was going to infiltrate into a commercial level yes but that already exists because fashion is cyclic it's circular so if you go back to the 90s i at the time i remember sourcing a box of um men's blazers from the 90s Nice. And they sold out yeah, of because course, yeah. they were oversized. Like it's a very much you know, fashion. Yes. It's, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you look at brands like the Frankie Shop, who are leading that kind of you know design. Yes. Yeah. 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 Find a vintage equivalent. Just buy one in the men's section of a vintage store. You exactly. Know? But I suppose that's where I wanted that curation to really you know show off what I could do. Mm-hmm. I wanted everything to just look very high quality quite editorial but with a commercial flair and again that there was a romanticised idea around fashion Mm -hmm. because for me that's the whole ethos of the brand is that it's looks it's loving and it's long lasting so they're kind of my three pillars are my three values that I really kind of that was my actually next question (laughs) yeah I
0: I really wanted to know that actually because I always ask people how much quality is important to them I know it is important for you obviously because I I see what you do and everything yes but at the same time it's like to tell people hey this this is what goes into it yes and this is how what's the mindset behind it let's say like that um where do you see going forward with lover sunday
1: that is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> some people
0: get scared at this question because they don't want to look into the future. They're like, I don't know yet. I, I have no idea. But then some people are like, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I
1: think it, my When I first launched the brand, I wanted it to launch on a monthly collection, kind of basically collection number one, number two, number three. Yes, yeah. And that there was just a specific amount of items in mm-hmm. that collection. I would shoot a campaign, I would shoot all the product images, I was doing all this myself. Yeah, home. it's crazy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was crazy. And you're putting this very much edited version of a collection out there. And I developed my own website, designed all of that. So anything at that point could only be sold online. Yeah. So the business did have my full attention. I will say that and mm-hmm. I'm proud to stand over that. Of course, yeah. Right now the business does not have my full attention because every other aspect of my responsibility came back into play once you know the world, opened up again so I'm doing all my styling work I'm doing my teaching which is now you know degree level teaching so we've gone on amazing. to that which is amazing everything's progressing and Lover Sunday Vintage has been doing its own little thing on the side but it's yeah. not been very much pushed in an online capacity mm-hmm. so I would say once markets and we spoke about flea markets and things like yeah. that that was an opportunity that beckoned once you know events were allowed to rehappen again and so on and i just said let's do it because i knew how successful i was as a salesperson in no. a one-to-one environment and i'm not a pushy salesperson i'm very honest um so i think people value that and i would find when i go to a market People would buy three, four, five things at mm-hmm. one time. So it wasn't that one item that you were, you know, posting out and thank you yeah. so much and you were thrilled that someone just went to your website. You were meeting people face on, they were trying things on, they were chatting, you could give them business cards. So it became a very full circle kind yeah. of experience. And I think that's why I really enjoy that one on one, that you know, out that selling, that in person selling. It's so much fun. And it led me to this summer being a stockist in a store in Dublin called Curated.
0: Yes, I wanted to ask, how was that experience, actually? Because I love the shop. Yes. And I've been a couple of times there. And actually, they closed recently. So I I was at the party event that they had. Very good. Yeah, I I love the pieces. And I love that they kind of incorporated the thing that a lot of small businesses had a... I, I think had a space to yes. express themselves and it's such a nice it's such a nice idea actually I yes. think because flea markets are different you know like they they are outside usually it's like a it can be a mess you they know can, yeah. it's a lot of things going on at the same time a lot yeah. of people mingling around but this is like an actual shop where you can yes. kind of have your own rail and just put all your nice things there Absolutely. and just had like a normal conversation with the yeah. person and you slow down, let's say it like that.
1: Absolutely, so Johanna and Cara, the two business owners of mm-hmm. Greens Are Good For You actually came in to speak with my students for one of their fashion marketing modules. Nice. I wanted my students to do a, a kind of a research project on their business and from there, um, I suppose our kind of relationship just kind of grew a little bit stronger. And the girls said for the summer, there's space if you want to show your brand. And I had actually never brought my brand to Dublin. So I'm based oh. outside of Dublin. So I had done all of the South East yeah. markets and so on. I'd done Cork and I would say to great success. Those markets honestly kept the business really going, going and turning yeah. over. And I had a lot of stock and I was saying, I need to you know, find some way to kind of you know, show this sure. to the world. And Johanna said, let's get it in for the summer and see what happens. So the summer was a two month period because they're pop- they were a pop-up shop in their own right. So their lease yes. was coming to an end in the middle of August. So we just closed the store last week and it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah. Again, like what you said, you can have it there. It's the brand is working for itself. And you're nestled yes. among other businesses yes. that, if you go in with a taste for, I don't know, Ashley Kavanagh, and you want to purchase one of her designs, but you love vintage. There's vintage on this wall over here. Exactly. There's jewellery on this stand over here. So it was like this mini department store of female-led Irish small businesses.
0: Yeah, and it's a rep- it's a clear representation of sustainability, if I can yes. say it like that, because. Beside having, like, secondhand clothes, you have sustainable designers. Yes. You have renting opportunity. Absolutely. Which, for me, it was kind of, like, for I never knew that that existed until I came here. So, yes. I was like, oh, I can rent a dress for a wedding. Yeah. And return it. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of, like, um, opportunity. It opened my eyes, you yeah. know, in a way. So, I always say whenever I entered the shop, I was like, this is such a beautiful picture of what sustainability can be. Yes. And the versatile yes. versatile opportunity that it gives, you know, to people. So it's And really I love brilliant.
1: that it's so fashion forward. Yeah. Because I do find sometimes you say the word sustainability and people have a very clear image in their mind yeah. of what that should should look be. like. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not supposed to look expensive and you're not supposed to look too styled or too fashiony or too this. Yeah. And I think that space really afforded the fashion girl. To embrace her fashion, but yes. in a circular manner.
0: Yeah, like when I told uh, some of the people back home that I'm going, in, that I'm very be- that I became more sustainable and stuff, they were like, "Oh, you're gonna wear just linen and beige, no?" <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not gonna be a farmer girl or something like that. I'm exactly. still going to. Uh, the, nothing wrong with the farmer girl. Of course. I'm just saying that I'm. I'm still gonna be myself. Yes. But in a way, just sourcing in different ways what works for me absolutely and i think
1: even if you look at the likes of depop or vestiaire collective collective and so on like you can buy designer anything yeah but for a fraction of the price because it was pre-loved once but it doesn't deny that it was you know a pair of prada shoes or a Bottega vanetta handbag yeah that's an amazing thing you can still be that girl exactly but in a different way than what people's expectation
0: Yes, I'm very glad we talked about it because uh, I, I, I'm a huge believer in this, so yeah. I'm like a, <laughs> more people need to hear about it. Of course, of <laughs> Absolutely. So we are coming closer to the end. Okay. And I have three questions for you that I ask every guest. Yeah. And the first question is what community means for you.
1: Okay, so oh, in my life community is very important and I think more so in the spirit of collaboration i'm very lucky that in all of the pockets that i work in and that i kind of exist in socially Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of crossovers um something i probably never mentioned is that i also dance and i'm part of a a dance community that is exceptionally saturated with creatives um Mm -hmm. so one of my really close friends is my favorite photographer of all time and i know that's a big thing to say as a stylist Yes, another another friend is a director who I worked on recently for his first film which changed my life and seeing it on screen I was really emotional but it was incredible Um, again I have a lot of different collaborative parties in my life from designers, stylists photographers and so on and even business people who grow into that industry so I think community for me it crosses over personal and professional because I don't really divide the two spaces mm-hmm. all that much. Yeah. I find fashion is my area that uh, it lives rent-free in my head. So it doesn't switch off at like six o'clock every day. It's, it's, it's there always, yeah. um, and I think I'm so lucky that the community that I involve myself in is very much in that same headspace for their own creative endeavors. So that's really, really important to me. And it, again, if you look at Lover Sunday as a brand, yeah, my campaigns don't exist without the collaboration of those other creatives
0: I love that you mentioned that because uh, actually you're the first one that used the word collaboration okay uh, like usually people say oh people that I meet throughout this and that they they have the same idea that you do the, uh, the same idea that you have yeah. but at the same time it's kind of like I love the word collaboration yeah. because you're actually working with so many different people in so many different industries Absolutely. and they're helping out your industry yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like because
1: I cannot do it on myself yeah and I remember getting adv- or I heard this piece of advice years ago I think it was on a podcast or something and they said you're not an expert at everything you can be good at everything yeah But if there's an expert who's better at one thing than you, it gives you one less job to do and they'll do it better. So I was like, that makes so much sense. Exactly.
0: Something so simple that doesn't really hit our mind that often, you know, because you're like, I need to do this. And I'm one of those people that never asks for help, you know, like I can do everything and anything by myself. Yeah. But actually, wait, (laughs) check with yourself and ask, delegate some stuff if you can, like just to try it out. Like, (laughs)
1: Like I could say I can take a good photograph but I'm not a photographer. Yeah. So if a photographer will do it better, I will get that person because it, then it elevates yeah. my brand beyond what I even knew what exactly. was possible. Um, so yeah, I suppose that would be my very long answer to it. community. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah.
0: The second question is, and you might have answered this in maybe a different way, but where do you get inspiration for your ideas?
1: I think from my community, to be honest. Nice. Yeah. And that's not, again, to sound cheesy, I find if one of my friends is working really hard, it inspires me to work yeah. as hard. If I see them fearlessly pursuing their dreams, I say, Well, if they're gonna do it, I can do it too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And pushing think, you forward yeah, in a way,
1: yeah. We're again within that space, not all of the people know each other. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. pockets of people who do. Um, but what I've found is that people who are very much open-minded you know innovative entrepreneurial creative they're the people I click with so when we have our conversations the conversations almost inspire new ideas and new projects yeah Yeah. um I remember after seeing that film that I did um with my friend being screened by himself he sold out the um IFI for his very own first screening congrats (laughs) and I remember afterwards so many people saying oh my god can we you know collaborate on this will you do a shoot with yeah. me will you do a video with me and everyone was so inspired off the back of it but so many wonderful and beautiful projects have come off the back of it exactly and i think that just shows we inspire each other even though we all exist in kind of different pockets of the industry but they all very much like come back together in a spirit of collaboration yeah. um so yeah i tend to find the inspiration comes from there you can say oh i go on to pinterest or instagram but I feel at this point in time that's becoming more replication than inspiration.
0: Yes, I guess, like for me, it took me a while to learn actually how to use, for example, Pinterest and social media in a way that works for me. Yes. Because you, I'm not the person that will see the outfit and, okay, I'm going to copy it out, you know, or yeah. I'm going to wear exactly what that person is wearing. I need to alter it to my own standard, yes, you know? Of course. And uh, it's hard with pressure of social media because they show you all this this and this mini trends that we call them you know yeah so it's kind of really really hard to kind of find inspiration within social media at the moment i would say but uh, i i love your answer it's uh, it's very nice yeah uh the third question in my favorite because it says a lot about people is when do you feel the most comfortable
1: ooh probably when i am creating
0: nice yeah
1: and that's again it's not to sound like i create all the time i don't I love at the end of a really full on day's work to go to the gym mm-hmm. and just you know what I mean take out your anger take on out. The Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. There is a, you know a really refreshing comfort in that. Yeah. Um. Other times it's just I, I love my bed. You know yeah. that's an amazing mm-hmm. thing as well. Um, but I do love when I'm on a set with friends or professional friends let's just say because we all know we're there to do a job but yeah. we all have this like dynamic relationship yes that it doesn't ever feel like work yeah. and then the results are always touched with that bit of magic that we all go oh that was amazing yes yeah you yeah. know um because i remember one particular, we did something great today yeah <laughs> i remember one particular shoot day we did as part of that film, this film that I talked about. It went on for three years because COVID disrupted our production schedule, mm-hmm. and we re- we basically were able to access a local athletics club in the middle of nowhere in Leash, and we all had to wear our masks and everything because I think restrictions were still quite you know up there, yeah. yeah like- and we had four people in front of the camera and three people, four people behind the camera as the production so It was tiny. Yeah. But to this day it was such a phenomenal experience. Yeah. And a lot of us would say, That was our best shoot day ever. For no particular reason. I think it was just the energy that everyone brought in. Yeah. But yeah. again the results show that. And we all went, Oh, that was amazing. We just we could have kept going. In this belief like yeah. Do you know <laughs> that? it was like we never got tired, we never yes. got to that point of oh are we are we done yet? So yes, I yeah. think yeah, there's different types of where comfort lies, but that's definitely I'm definitely amazing, one yeah. of them.
0: Well, me thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, my absolute was pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much.